Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors is the petition of the Lord's Prayer that we'll be considering today. We've been walking through uh, the Lord's Prayer during this season of Lent. And our scripture is Psalm 103. Psalm 103. It's found on page 939. Psalm 103, found on page 939. Let's pray together as we attend to God's Word. Lord God, fashion us by Your Word. Fashion us to be the living trees that produce fruit for Your benefit and for the good of this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desire with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His deeds to the people of Israel, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for humans, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. His righteousness with their children's children with those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His precepts. The Lord has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do His bidding, who obey His word. Praise the Lord, all His heavenly hosts, you His servants who do His will. Praise the Lord, all His works everywhere in His dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. In the first church that I pastored, there was a cemetery right next door. We'd walk through that cemetery sometimes. I'm sure that there were people named on those tombstones who were quite important in life. Didn't mean much to us. Whatever they did in life, their name on a tombstone didn't convey much to us. I'm also sure that there were people of little notice buried there. They weren't powerful movers and shakers. They may have died quietly without a lot of fanfare. It didn't matter. Their tombstone didn't convey any of this to us. When we die... One thing matters most. When the trumpet sounds, our admittance to the throne room of God will rest on one thing. Not whether we're rich or powerful. Not whether we're quiet or of little notice. All that will matter is, are we forgiven? What matters most, like the students who made their profession of faith here this morning showed us, is whether we confess our sin and our need for God's forgiveness. Jesus taught His disciples to pray. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus understood that everyone has sinned against God. Everyone needs God's forgiveness. We are indebted to God. It's implied in what Jesus says, forgive us our debts. 
Jesus knows we owe God. Jesus is pointing to the fact that we owe God obedience and we're unable to pay. The word debt is taken from the world of commerce. Debt is something owed. It's like your monthly credit card statement. There's a balance you're obligated to pay. Forgive us our debts. Various versions of the Lord's Prayer use different words. Debt, trespass, sins. It doesn't matter what word we use. The idea is the same. We have an outstanding balance on our account with God. We owe God. We owe God everything. Every part of our lives is obligated toward God. But we cannot pay. We don't have the resources to pay the debt we owe. Early on, the Heidelberg Catechism teaches about our debt. It says this, God requires that his justice be satisfied. The claims of his justice must be paid in full. We cannot, however, pay. And when the Catechism asks if we can pay this debt ourselves, the answer is certainly not. Actually, we increase our debt every day. Each day, we fail to come through. Each day we fail to give God the obedience God is due. No wonder theologian Helmut Tilika said, each of us has a great mortgage on our lives. I mean, just consider the weight of our debt. Each day we carry around with us our failure to come through for God. For example, how do you do on God's Ten Commandments? You love God only? Never make substitute gods. Worship God in reverence and awe, hallowing his name. Do you keep Sabbath? Do you honor your parents even when they fail? Do you keep from murder, insulting even another person? Adultery? You never lust? Theft? You never pay or receive pay under the table? False testimony? You never gossip? Never covet? Your neighbor's car, or house, or family, or success? Or let's consider your life in light of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. How are you doing as God's salt and light in the world? How about turning the other cheek? How about going the extra mile with someone? Do you give, pray, and fast faithfully and regularly? Do you not worry, not judge others, seek first the kingdom? Okay, I'll admit, all of these are hard. How about one just simple act of obedience? Jesus called it the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. How are you doing? How are you doing? No matter how we put it, we are in deep with God. Our sin and misery are great. We have a natural tendency to hate God and our neighbor. We're inclined toward all evil. Our debt to God accumulates daily. We have as much need to pray for forgiveness of debt daily as we do to pray for daily bread. We owe a mammoth debt to God. And Jesus invites us to confess our sins. Pray this bold prayer, says Jesus. Forgive us our debts. Forgive. That also comes from the world of accounting. Accounting means to cancel. 
to wipe out, to wipe the slate clean, to erase from the ledger. It's a bold prayer. We owe God a debt of obedience that we are unable to pay. And Jesus invites us to ask God to overlook our debt. To pray forgive us is to own our stuff. It's the only way to deal with our guilt. We will not have a close walk with God unless we confess. Our praise and worship will be meaningless. Any works of love will be worthless. The Lord's Prayer invites us to get honest, to confess, to put away all pretense, to just deal with our sin. Forgive us our debts, we pray. Jesus invites us to get honest about our sin. In his book, Blue Like Jazz, Don Miller tells about his experience of confession on the campus at Reed College. Reed College is a post-secondary school in Portland, Oregon. Once a year, they shut down the campus for Ren Fair. It's a week-long party. Students get drunk and naked and paint themselves blue, and they pursue all manner of debauchery. Now, Miller and some other Christian students were trying to figure out how to respond. They wanted to make a faith statement, come out of the closet about their Christianity. So someone came up with the idea of building a confession booth right in the middle of campus. I mean, all the sin going on, somebody needs to confess. But there was a catch to their confession booth. Rather than invite the drunken, debauched Reed College students to confess their sins, Miller and his friends agreed that they would be the ones to confess to their drunken and debauched fellow students. They would confess that as followers of Jesus Christ, they had not been very loving, that they had been bitter, and that they were sorry. They would apologize for the crusades and for televangelists, for rejecting the poor, for not being with the lonely. That they would ask forgiveness from these students because in their self-centeredness, they, as Christians, had misrepresented Jesus on campus. Friends, the prayer that Jesus teaches here is a bold prayer. We are invited to get honest, to acknowledge that we are up to our eyeballs in debt to God. We have sinned. We have fallen short, far short of the life God wants for us. The Heidelberg Catechism offers us insight into confession. It asks us, what does the fifth petition mean? And let's say it together. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors' means. Because of Christ's blood... Do not hold against us, poor sinners that we are, any of the sins we do or the evil that constantly clings to us. We pray, Father in heaven, cancel all the debts we owe you. Erase every wrong that we have done against others, against ourselves, against you. Jesus invites us to boldly confess our sin. No more masks, just honesty. Our Father in heaven, forgive us. The thing is, the Father to whom we pray has already forgiven us. 
God canceled our debt. It's what baptism is all about. Psalm 103 are some of the most beautiful words we can hear. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Our Father in Heaven is a forgiving God. Jesus once offered an incredible picture of God's forgiveness. One time, Peter, the disciple, asked Jesus about forgiveness. He wanted to know if there was a limit on forgiveness. And Jesus responds with a story about a king who forgave a huge debt. The kingdom of heaven, said Jesus, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, think somewhere in the area of $10 million, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had been sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. It's a joke, right? Ten million dollars? Be patient with me. I'll pay back every penny. (laughs) Right. He owed this king a debt he could never repay. But the king took pity on the, the servant and forgave him his debt. The king wiped his slate clean. He declared the servant's outstanding account paid in full. That's the kind of forgiveness that God offers us. God removes the burden of our debt before we're even aware of it. Psalm 103 gives us this picture of God. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. God's forgiveness becomes ours in Jesus. Jesus took his debt, our debt upon himself. Someone put it like this. Jesus came to pay a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. Jesus took our burden and he left it all at the cross. Our lives are made debt-free in Jesus. We're no longer burdened by this, this debt of obedience we cannot pay. Jesus paid it all by his obedience. That is God's good news. In the New Testament book of Colossians, Paul writes, When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. The same Jesus who taught us to pray so boldly shoulders all of our failures And by His death on the cross, He paid the debt of obedience we could never pay. By His faithfulness, He wipes our ledger clean. 
And then Jesus takes us one further step. We're not just forgiven. We also become forgivers. He he may have paid the debt of obedience we owed, but that doesn't mean we aren't obligated to the kind of obedient love that God expects of us. We are called by God's love to be forgivers. And here's the truth. We are never more like God than when we forgive. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus drives our forgiveness home. We are to forgive as we've been forgiven. It's the only petition of the prayer that Jesus elaborates on. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus is teaching that my forgiveness to a degree is contingent on forgiving others. Martin Luther noted the contingency. He commented, if I don't forgive others, it's like I'm praying, Father, don't forgive me. You see what he's saying? If I don't forgive, it really doesn't matter if I ask God to forgive me. Just as we need to pray daily for forgiveness, we also regularly forgive others. Forgiveness, says Scott Jose, is a daily occurrence. God forgives us daily. We forgive others daily. Forgiveness is our lifestyle. It's our habit. We do it every day for the same reason we eat every day. We need it to stay healthy. And by doing it every day, we stay spiritually limber too. Spiritually healthy people realize each day the incredible gift of God's forgiveness. And each day we see again what a load of debt God has removed from us. But spiritually healthy people also extend forgiveness on a daily basis. We lubricate our relationships relationships with forgiveness. If we don't offer forgiveness, we will choke on all of the junk of our hurt and anger. As we acknowledge God's acceptance of our inadequacies, our brokenness, we will be better able to be in a position to accept those who hurt us. We're never more like God than when we forgive. The Heidelberg Catechism points us in this direction, in the second part of its answer, what does the fifth petition mean? Let's say it together. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors means forgive us just as we are fully determined as evidence of your grace in us to forgive our neighbors. Of course such forgiveness is difficult. It means we're called to overlook the debts others owe us. We can't cash in on their offenses toward us by expecting from them something that we are unable to give God ourselves. Jesus continues with the parable that shows God's way of forgiveness. The man that was forgiven the $10 million debt goes out and finds a servant who owes him a few dollars. And that servant who owed a few dollars begged for patience, but the forgiven man refused. He threw that servant into prison until he could pay. Then the master called that forgiven servant in and he says, You wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? We forgive 
because we've been forgiven. We forgive others as evidence that God's forgiveness has set us free to love as God loved us. When we forgive, we bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, forgive us our debts. And God does. God has wiped away our sin long before we pray that prayer. And then we pray, as we also have forgiven our debtors, because we realize that God's grace touches all lives. And if I don't forgive others, then I'm denying that the kingdom has come. I can't stand before God by the grace of Jesus' cross and not offer the same grace to others. We are never more like God. We're never more like God than when we forgive. So as we close, let me lead you in a debt cancellation exercise. Daryl Johnson suggests this as a way for us to understand the power of this petition. So let me lead you in discovering a way to pray, forgive us as we've been forgiven. What I'd like you to do, first of all, is just, uh, you may want to close your eyes in this if you'd like. Bring to mind a person you're having a hard time forgiving. So tell the father this person's name and tell them exactly what they've done to you. I want you to be as specific as you can be. So I'll give you a few moments just to do that. Now I'd like you to tell the Father what you would like to see happen to this person if you had your way. I mean, tell God the kind of punishment you'd like them to receive. Don't worry about it. I mean, God knows your heart, so you're not telling something God something God doesn't already know. So tell God, God, here's what I'd really like to see happen to this person. Imagine that you're standing at the bottom of a hill. And at the top of the hill, Jesus is on a cross, hanging there. And he invites you up, and you go up, and you speak to him. And Jesus tells you how hard it is, and he knows how hard it is, for you to forgive this person. So now I want you to do a really difficult thing. I want you to go back down that hill and I want you to go right up to that person that you have a hard time forgiving and I want you to invite that person to turn and look up that hill with you. In fact, I'd like to invite that person with you to climb that hill. And stand at the foot of the cross. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to look at Jesus hanging on the cross. And I want you to point to that person and say, Jesus, would you grant them what you granted me? 
Give her mercy. Don't hold her sin against her. Grant him your grace. Give him what he doesn't deserve. Give him life in your name. And now I want you to hear from Jesus these words. He says, I will. I will. Blessed are you, says Jesus, for you are never more like God than when you forgive. Go in peace. Father in heaven, we will never be able to forgive until we first believe we're forgiven. Break through our locked defenses, free us of the load of guilt and shame. As we approach this, your table, show us again your body and blood given for the complete forgiveness of all of our sins. Free us from our burden of debt owed to you. Free us so we can, we can serve you as your grateful servants. Promouncing forgiveness to all those who have offended us. Those who, like us, bear a load of guilt and shame. Free us to be like you, Father. Amen.